This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity, and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges. I'm Christy. I'm Diana. And I'm Sam. And we are back. Wanted to follow up on or add a new part of the conversation to codependency, people-pleasing that we talked about in our last episode with just the three of us. But we mentioned something, I think, at the end of the episode called Cartman's Drama Triangle, which we wanted to come back and talk more about because it's a really helpful visualization to understand the unhelpful dynamics that happen between people, often in families. It's a helpful way to understand what's happening without getting in too much of the the content or too much in the noise of each situation. One thing that I really like about the drama triangle and that I've heard from clients that I've shared it with is that the roles feel, and we'll go into each of the roles a little bit more, but they feel very distinct from one another, pretty easy to understand. And once I found, once you sort of explain the role and the dynamics, it's pretty easy for people to identify mostly where they tend to fall or where they may be falling in a particular dynamic. Um, which is just helpful to sort of apply when we think about relationships in our lives that may be more challenging to think about, okay, what world do I feel that I'm in right now? What world do I sense the other person is in right now? And what would it look like to move outside of the drama triangle or try to show up to the interaction in a different way? Okay. So we'll include a link to what we're referencing for people listening who need a visual, but if you just picture a triangle where there are three roles. So We'll start with the persecutor or otherwise known as like the bully role. The person in this role might tend to wield a lot of power. People might tend to orbit around them, accommodate around them. It might feel like when they're in the room, everyone knows it and everyone's affected by them. And they usually don't know how much power they're actually wielding for the people around them. They can tend to lash out. They might be more rigid in their thinking. They might feel like it's important for them to be right and easily view how other people might be at fault. But usually the persecutor has someone else in the dynamic within this drama triangle of the two other roles, either the rescuer or the victim. So the rescuer tends to try to save either the persecutor or the victim. The rescuer can kind of be someone who we might look at as enabling or they're super helpful. They are people pleasing to the point where it's hard for them to see other people's responsibility. And they might try to really fix a lot of problems and save people from their own circumstances, even when it's not their own responsibility. And then the rescuer often tends to be the savior for the victim. So the victim role, they tend to feel helpless, even if they are capable. They tend to seek out a rescuer or view their circumstances as things that happen to them that they have very little control over or agency in. Um, And it might be hard for them to make decisions or 
view ways that they can get themselves out of a difficult situation. And to be clear, the victim role, the persecutor, the rescuer, these aren't necessarily reflective of a true power dynamic between, for example, like an adult and a child. This drama triangle is more to reflect the dynamics that can happen between two adults or people who do have the capacity to take care of themselves, but might um, kind of relinquish that power or let the power be moved around to other people. Yeah, that's an important distinction because when I've shared this with some folks in the past, there can be confusion around the victim role, especially in cases where there may be relationship dynamics where someone is actually the victim of abuse. So this is not in referencing those types of situations or circumstances. It's really more about dysfunctional dynamics and the ways in which we kind of actively choose to be within these roles in ways that oftentimes don't help the situation or no one is really getting their needs met in the way that they are needing them to. Yeah, that's another important part of the the triangle is that so people might move between these three roles depending on what needs they're trying to get met. But the clear effect of this triangle is that it doesn't end up actually meeting the deep needs or the attachment needs of anyone involved in the dynamic. It more just kind of continues to create more drama on this endless cycle or this endless loop. The thing that often comes up, especially for people we work with or in our community, a lot of, especially when we think about like codependency as it overlaps with sometimes collectivism, or it overlaps with giving a lot of ourselves, sacrificing for other people, making sure their needs are met. Um, I often see rescuers in my work where they view themselves that they need to be useful, that they feel required or obligated to help other people if they physically are able to. And that can also lead to an overwhelming sense of resentment or pressure or heaviness when over time you become this caretaker for everyone and might even be in the rescuer role. It might even be hard to recognize when you're overstepping and helping someone so much that you are kind of relating to the other person as if they're in the victim role, that they are helpless, that there's nothing they can do. So I must go to their event, or I I have to go help them move because I need to be useful and they can't do it by themselves. But if we dig a little deeper, the drama triangle kind of reveals itself of like, well, maybe they are able to do this, but this feels like something that we need to prove or that we've, we've only known this way of how to relate to other people. So if we're not helping, then are we even valuable in their lives? Um, But people can move between these roles in that example. I definitely see rescuers as well. And I think it can start out so innocuously, right? Especially if you think about like oldest children. And I was actually talking to someone about this earlier today. Like if you're an oldest child in an Asian American family, you know, being helpful feels really good and you get validated for it and you get, you know, maybe pushed into that role, especially if you're perhaps punished if you don't Mm -hmm. fill that role. It can be both like direct and indirect the way that you're being um, encouraged to, to be this role. Right. And so I think it starts, it can start from a positive place, but then it becomes this, I guess, identity in some cases. And then it feels like almost like, well, this is just what I have to do. This is what my parents have told me is my responsibility 
and and then it leads to you know making assumptions about other people that need your help right and then like like it says here feeling guilt when you can't solve problems right yeah one thing that um i always like to address too is you know many of the people i think who listen to this podcast are a piece of identified therapists and many therapists early in our work might find ourselves also in some ways feeling in the rescue or savior role with our clients who the ways in which we may feel responsible to fix their problems or do things for them, maybe putting them more into the role of victim rather than empowering them to see their own agency and the ways in which they, they might be able to shift some of their circumstances as well. So I think I, I always like to address that too, because therapists are also people and we all have our stuff that we're working on. And that tends to be one that therapists, I mean, we find ourselves in this job for a reason, but that they often identify with strongly. Yeah, I agree. Should we do an example? I think that that always helps clarify um, yeah. a little bit of the dynamics. I think the place where I see this coming up most often with my clients is, is really oftentimes adult children with their parents. I don't know if you guys feel mm-hmm. similarly. Um, so let's walk through a scenario. Perhaps I'm a person who has a somewhat contentious relationship with my mother. And maybe my mom has really exacting standards and very high expectations of what I'm supposed to do. And if I fall short of them, she may become really upset and judgmental and criticize me. And then maybe I feel that I'm in the role of the victim and my parent is persecuting me or acting in the role of the bully. And then maybe there is a sibling who feels uncomfortable with the conflict or hurt by what's happening, and they might jump in and defend me or say, mom, you're being unreasonable or you're, you know, that's not fair or you need to be nicer or stop yelling. Or maybe they jump in and they rescue the persecutor or mom and they might say, this is your fault. You know that you were supposed to do this. You just need to not upset the parent. Um, And what happens is all three of us are in this contentious, dramatic situation where we are feeling upset or hurt by one another in our efforts to get our needs met or to solve some problem. Does does that feel clear the way that I explain that? Yeah, I think that that's a helpful way to illustrate how people can jump into these roles almost automatically or without knowing sometimes because It might be the general dynamic of how the family is operating or how a relationship is working where if one person struggles to take accountability, so it could be like the persecutor, it could be the victim, the people in those roles, then the accountability unfairly moves into blame and shifts into somebody else's, onto somebody else's chest. And then the rescuer, the people who might take on other people's emotions or take on other people's responsibility is overladen with too much, which is not, it's not sustainable. It can't work well in terms of getting each person what their actual needs are met because half of the people in the dynamic aren't recognizing that they play a role too. You know, I think what also happens is like it almost distracts from whatever the actual issues are, what people's needs are actually underneath, right? Because then the issue becomes about like the amount of tension that's happening in in the situation, right? And how can we dispel this tension? And I think related to the fact that it's a triangle, right? It's like, 
these people naturally come into these roles because like suddenly there's this increase in tension in the dynamic. One person is probably going to have a lower tolerance than someone else. And that person tends to become that rescuer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the goal becomes to how do we alleviate tension? And that's not actually what the original challenge was about, right? The original disagreement or the original relational issue, right? Yeah, that's such a good point, Diana, because I think that speaks really well to something that I've heard from folks who feel that they are maybe often in the position of the rescuer in their family around, well, if they're screaming at each other or there is so much tension or so much fighting, what am I supposed to do? Like the ways in which we might feel that there are not options or other ways that we can show up to a situation. Um, and, you know, the the example that I gave, it outlined sort of a situation where maybe three different people are taking on three different roles. But like Christy said, it, it's not uncommon for people to move around in multiple roles in a single interaction based on getting their needs met. Like a good example is if someone is maybe more in the role of persecutor and they get called out. Like, let's go back to that situation of mom. So mom gets called out and mom, you're being really unfair, or I feel like you're being too hard on me. Mom may subconsciously then go to the role of victim and say, oh, so I'm a terrible mother. You don't care about me in a way of hoping to probably elicit the other person to rescue them of, no, of course you're a good mom. I take back what I said. I didn't mean it. You're not being too hard. And, and again, the ways in which we might feel that we don't know other options or how are we supposed to respond when, when this is coming up in a family or in any dynamic in a relationship? Yeah. I think that was helpful in describing how people can switch roles. It's not that they're switching roles. They're just using different roles to fulfill their main mm-hmm. role. Right. Mm. Yeah, because the needs of the rescuer on the deepest level might be their need for peace or harmony in relationships. But on the surface, they get involved in drama because they're trying to quell it or they're trying to regulate their own bodies. They're trying to minimize any discord in the house or whatever it is. And so then they get involved to achieve that sense of peace or to to manage even like how Diana said, like the difficulty tolerating conflict or drama in that way. Maybe, for example, then like the victim role, they might need to feel like loved and cared for, but they seek it out in a way where they are helpless and like need the other person as opposed to gaining compassion and getting support from other people and recognizing they have their own role to play. And maybe for the persecutor role, we'd view their needs as to feel like they have a role or they have a place in the world. They might need to feel like they do affect people. Um, Maybe if they were used to that or if they rarely got that kind of validation from others, but it comes out in this way of kind of exerting control or power or um, energy that negatively impacts other people. And there are intentional ways where we can choose to step outside of this drama triangle. There are ways where You don't have to play one of these roles in order to get the relationship to a more productive or a more connected place. And I recognize that we have limited time for today. So maybe that comes in our next episode of of clear, practical ways to actually be beyond this triangle. But to wrap up this conversation, it's really about resetting and putting the responsibility into appropriate places onto the appropriate people. So if someone is feeling like 
they continuously ask for favors or they always want to stay over at your place on the last minute notice. And they kind of tend to be like this victim role or play between the victim and persecutor of like, I need your help. I need you to let me in. Let me stay over. And if we are unsure of what to do, then they might go into like, well, you need to help me. Um, I have no one else to do it for me. Um, how, how do you expect for me to to go somewhere else or how could you kick me out or something like that. Some way, if you're traditionally in this rescuer role, you might step outside of it by just saying like, I know that you can handle this. I know you're going through a hard time. And I recognize that if I'm not able to host you today um, or if I'm not able to help you today, that that could be really hard, but I still care about you and I'm offering support in other ways. You know, that's some way to to not go into like, okay, well, you are helpless or you are attacking me. You're just kind of recognizing like, yeah, I recognize that you can you have responsibility over this and I'm not able to help you in the way that you want. And that's probably really frustrating. Just kind of name it as it is. But we'll we'll talk more in detail about what that can actually feel like to move outside of this this drama triangle. And this could be a good opportunity for listeners. You know, when I first introduced this to clients before I ever asked them to do anything different first, I asked them to just try to notice what roles we find ourselves in, what roles we might find the other people in our life in, in interactions and sort of place us on the drama triangle. Cause then it'll be helpful in terms of finding out, okay, how do I really need to show up to this interaction differently then to get a different result? Yeah. I think that's like the first step, right? To notice what's happening because this dynamic feels really powerful, Mm -hmm. right? It's like such defined roles. And if everybody naturally falls into these roles, it really maintains this dynamic, right? It's really hard to step out of it unless you're really aware of what's happening. And then you can be like, ah, okay, I see this happening now. And how do I now do something about it? Otherwise, it's too easy to just fall into your roles, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely. All right. Well, so part two, we'll, we'll be back and we'll, we'll share how do we, how do we break out of this triangle and, and do it differently or try? <laughs> yeah, it's a constant practice. Um, if anyone has questions, feel free to email us, DM us, and we'll try to get to them, especially around this topic of like codependency, people pleasing, this drama triangle, communication, all that stuff. Okay. Thanks both of you. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. (laughs) 